Well, it's a treat to worship with you on this last Sunday of the year, and for some of you, uh, we began the year worshiping together, and uh, we've sat at the feet of the Lord and uh, have grown and gone through some bumps and bruises this past year, and uh, part of what we want to ask the Lord to do this morning is to make sure that those bumps and bruises and those highlights are all being brought under His goodness. Um, and so you just jumped in uh, towards the latter part of the year, and just a special welcome to you. Uh, we're equal worshipers before the Lord, so no matter when you came, it's good to spend this morning together with you. Trust you had a good week. Boy, Christmas is Christmas and New Year's, and those couple weeks just provide some extra opportunities, don't they? Of extra activity, extra get-togethers, and then some more downtime than a lot of us ever get any other time of the year. So, hope you've enjoyed the ups and the slowness of some of these, and we'll continue to do that until you have to pick up with work or school or whatever. Some of you, I know that means tomorrow, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I just trust that you've had a good Christmas season. We had a really special time together Christmas Eve here, had a good time together Christmas morning. And uh, the Lord is good, is He not? He is good. And uh, boy, I don't know, I cannot be reminded of that often enough. Uh, During these days, sometimes you get weird ideas of doing something a little bit fun and creative and different. And so I was walking around in here this morning, and I got to looking at this lift over here, which uh, we were required to put in when we did this renovation. And we pay monthly to have somebody come and inspect this. And it has yet to be used. So I thought, this morning, kids, if you want to ride the lift, (laughs) or adults, we'll we'll give you some rides. I got to admit, it's a little boring, (laughs) because it's not made for kids. And, uh, but anyway, what? We might as well use it for something, huh? We might as well use it for something, especially since we're paying monthly. Maybe we can break something that the guy can actually fix when he comes. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> that's ridiculous. But anyway, uh, that's part of the fun of doing things together and being together. This last Sunday of the year, uh, we've done a couple different things over the past years. For some years, we've looked back on the year and, and just really kind of uh, celebrated what the Lord did and made sure that we were uh, settling in on the events of the year in a good, healthy way. And in other years, we've actually dedicated ourselves to the coming year. We've actually probably done that more recently. But I just felt like this, this morning, it would be good for us to look back on 2018 and uh, to just make sure that the experiences that we have had, we're, we're seeing them in the goodness of God and in His loving kindness towards us. Um, I was talking to somebody last week, and we were talking about stuff, and they said, you know, it's just so important that we bloom where we're planted. And I thought, that is, that is the Christian life, to bloom where we're planted, to bloom because we're living 
in the care of a God who is always only good, gives us mercy, gives us grace, and no matter what the circumstances are, that's what He is providentially up to, is causing us to bloom so that we bear the sweet aroma of Christ in all places, all the time. But it's easy for things to settle in and cause us to wilt. And that's just not a good place to be. And, uh, and so I thought it would be good to look back on this past year. So here's a very profound statement to get us going this morning. Each of us are where we are today. Each of us are where we are today, right now. We are where we are, right? Now, that's important to think about because so often we think, I need to be someplace else, I want to be... No, that's irrelevant. You are, I am, where I am today. What has happened this past year, what has happened in the past, I cannot go back and change. And so, if we're going to bloom where we planted, it begins by recognizing, I am where I am. That's the first point. We can't change the events. We cannot change the experiences. We can't change a lot of our own choices that we made in 2018. We are where we are today. And so, what is key then is to blooming where we are today is making sure that we remember the things of this past year in the light of God's goodness, in the light of His loving kindness. Um, that is crucial because if we remember things, let's say somebody sinned against you. Let's say they did it intentionally. Maybe they, they just ignored you. But let's say someone sinned against you. We probably all have that in common, right? Think we've all been sinned against this past year? Say, yes. And if you can remember specifics, okay, this message is especially for you. But how we remember those things has everything to do with our ability to bloom. If we remember those things and they bring up hurt and anger and bitterness, we will be unable to bloom right where we're planted today. So it's really important if we've been sinned against. All of us this past year have sinned ourselves by choice. We've committed sins, sins of thinking, sins of speaking, sins of action, sins of inaction. We all have that in common. I know that much. We have all sinned this past year, and some, by their own choice, stayed in those sins for a long time, and some are just racked with guilt and shame from those sins. In fact, maybe some of you are right there today and you haven't turned from it yet. And, 
And it's easy and actually normal to look back on those experiences and to wilt. Wilt in the shame. Wilt in the sense of hopelessness. Wilt in the sense of failure. Rather than turning to Christ, who is always good, and whose loving kindness is everlasting, and experiencing His forgiveness and a fresh opportunity to walk with Him. And doing that is critical to our being able to bloom where we are planted today. Some of us this morning, maybe most of us this morning, have experienced some kind of loss this past year through no fault of anybody's. A loved one has lost their health. Or like Stephanie with her mom yesterday, they've said goodbye forever to someone that they love. That's a loss that really isn't anybody's fault. It's just the consequences of sin. And how do you respond to that loss? You're not just supposed to get over it and go on. But how do you see that loss and experience it in the, sin, in the light of God's goodness and of His loving kindness so that there is a very appropriate grief and, and sadness and loss and appropriate worship of the Lord? So that literally when we sing, you give and you take away, blessed be your name, is really the song of our hearts. You see, how we remember the, in, the events of 2018 has everything to do with whether we're going to bloom today or whether we're wilted today. Whether we're blooming and giving off the fragrance of Christ or we're wilted and, and kind of like saying, everybody notice me. And so blooming where we're planted is really, really a big deal. And remembering the past is a really big deal in all of the Scriptures. In fact, many scholars and students of the Old Testament say, remember is the main word in the Old Testament. Remember. But what's important is what we remember and how we remember it. And I think you'll find that throughout the Scriptures, what the Scriptures call us to do is to remember all of the events under God's providence of His sovereign, good providence towards those who are His. And so turn over to Psalm 136 this morning. Psalm 136. And we're going to use this psalm to, to kind of be, uh, give us a format uh, to see how important this is and then to make some application to our own lives to make sure that we're literally blooming because we're seeing everything that happened, things we did, sinful things, things we did that were right, things that other people did to us or didn't do for us, and even losses are lived out under the goodness and the loving kindness of our God so that we can, in fact, bloom. Psalm 136. Let me just read through it. And uh, 
Let me read through it and let the point that God's trying to make get through. And he makes it really, really obvious for us. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who alone does great wonders, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the great lights, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And brought Israel out from their midst, for his loving kindness is everlasting. With a strong arm and an outstretched arm, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, for his loving kindness is everlasting, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his loving kindness is everlasting. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who smote great kings, for his loving kindness is everlasting. If you want to join with me on the main point from here on, go ahead and jump in. And slew mighty kings, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And Og, king of Bashan, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And gave their land as a heritage, for his loving kindness is everlasting even a heritage to Israel, his servant, for his loving kindness is everlasting, who remembered us in our low estate, for his loving kindness is everlasting, and has rescued us from our adversaries, for his loving kindness is everlasting, who gives food to all flesh, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Spirit of the living God, how we thank you for how clearly you have spoken here. And Lord, it's a message that needs to reverberate in all the nooks and crannies of our hearts and all of the experiences. And so would you force your way in your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between the thoughts and the intents of our own hearts to do that surgery and cut out wrong thinking, wrong attitudes, and to bring healing. Spirit of the living God, would you bring the healing of the truth about who you are 
Father, Son, and Spirit, and that your loving kindness towards us knows no limits. It is everlasting. So thank you for your presence. Thank you for your personal work in each of our lives. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I love it when God makes himself clear. And I'd say this is pretty clear. What would you say? And it's not an exception. I haven't cherry-picked this psalm out of all the Scriptures. This would be the main message of the whole Bible. That God is good. We begin with that definitive statement there in verse 1. God doesn't have to work at being good. He doesn't try to be good. He is in all of His integrity only always good. That's part of what sets Him apart from everything and everybody else. He is good. And because He is good, His loving kindness knows no limits to those who are His, to those who will respond to Him, to those who will live by faith in Him. As Dennis said earlier, Galatians 2.20, for those who will crucify their flesh, and nevertheless, as they continue to live, they would live by faith in the Son of God who loved them and gave Himself for them. Why? Because that's where the loving kindness is everlasting. That's where the goodness of God is experienced. And so you can see in this psalm that he begins with just this quality about who God is, that he is good, and that out of his goodness is his loving kindness. And then verse 2 and verse 3 emphasize that he is above every other ruling authority. He is God of all gods. Throughout history, people have created all kinds of gods, whether it's the Greek gods or the Roman gods, or every culture has some kind of gods. And we, this may even be a reference to the demons behind those gods. And guess what? God is God over all of those gods. And one of the uniquenesses of God being God over all those gods is that His loving kindness is everlasting. I dare you to find any other deity less than God, any other so-called God, who is known for His loving kindness being without limits. And thankfully, part of what the psalmist is getting us to say here is, is that God is above all those gods, so matter what things these gods work, our God wins. His loving kindness wins. Verse 3, give thanks to the Lord of lords. This may be a reference more to human rulers. So many human rulers think they are not accountable to anybody. They think they are the Lord, the sovereign one. And he mentions Pharaoh down here. Pharaoh was one of those. And guess what Pharaoh learned? There is a Lord above all lords. And that Lord who is above all lords is going to work His loving kindness for the sake of His people. And part of His loving kindness is to judge the wicked. 
and to remove them and bring his people into a place of freedom in worshiping God. Verse 4, to him who alone does great wonders. So after establishing that he alone is sovereign, he alone is God, he is over all, he alone does wonders. The word wonder is, is a, it's a wonderful word. Uh, it's a word that is used specifically in Scripture to talk about how God uses his all-knowingness and how he uses his all-presence and how he uses his all-power to come together and converge for the sake of his people. That's specifically what it means. And so at Christmas, we often quote Isaiah 9, that Jesus is the wonderful, what? Counselor. What does that mean? He uses everything he knows, his presence everywhere, and his power to give counsel that nobody else can give. Here, he brings it together and say, who alone does wonders, and then it walks through creation. He made the heavens, he spread out the waters, he did all of that. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Let me ask you, you said it a few times earlier. Because his loving kindness endures forever. Why did God create this world? As a manifestation of his loving kindness. That's why he did that. That's why we enjoy that even today. And then he moves to the more personal level concerning the people of Israel and how he brought them out of bondage in Egypt in verses 10 uh, down through verse, what, 22 especially, and then kind of pulls it together with some general things there. And, and, and so the psalmist in the psalm of worship is just making the point that God is a God of all gods who has worked by putting creation together so that you and I would know his loving kindness. And he brings people out of really bad places and he shepherds them into good places, ultimately heaven. Why? Because of his loving kindness. Some translations say mercy. It's a tricky word to translate. The emphasis is God does things for us that we don't deserve. That's why it's often translated as mercy endures forever. But the word means more than mercy. It means his love. But it means more than love. It means his kindness. And so the translators really wrestle with how to translate this thing. This is a really pregnant word. Here's the point. God cares for people. He cares for his own people. And he is committed to us today, living and knowing and seeing everything through his loving kindness. Now, as we read through verses 10 down through verse 22 there, talking about the people of Israel. So look, for example, uh, at verse 16. 16 and 17. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his loving kindness is everlasting, to him who smote great kings, for his loving kindness is everlasting. You notice that it left out a lot of details there. And he's calling upon the people of Israel to remember the overarching point of what happened when God led them through the wilderness. 
And what's the main point? You survived the wilderness. Why? Because of my loving kindness. There's a lot of details of their wilderness of where they sinned, where people sinned against them, where rulers came in and wanted to destroy them that were too great for them to take on. Why, why, did, they, why did they not get struck dead because of their sinfulness? Because of the loving kindness of the Lord. Why were they protected from the sins of other people? Because of the loving kindness of the Lord. Why were they protected from military national forces that were way stronger than them? Because of the loving kindness of the Lord. I thought it might be good just to dip in and, and see one example of this. So flip back to Numbers 21. You can keep something in 136 there if you want. Go back to Numbers 21. We'll read part of this chapter and just point out <laughs> how great the loving kindness of the Lord is because the loving kindness of the Lord is most appreciated when you see the specifics of what God did. So, beginning in verse 1 of Numbers 21, when the Canaanite, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming by the way of Atharim, then he fought against Israel and took some of them captive. He was obviously a superior force. Verse 2, so Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, if you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And so what did they do? They're up against a superior nation. They say, God, help. Now, they already had a promise that God was going to destroy the nation of the Canaanites and that he was going to use Israel as his, if you will, rod of discipline. And so they just pray according to God's will here. Verse 3, the Lord heard the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites. Notice the language there. Did Israel conquer the Canaanites through their military force and tactics? No. God delivered them up. He, he if you will, served them on a platter. Then they utterly destroyed them in their cities. Thus the name of the place was called Hormoth. And so why? How are, how are the people of Israel to remember this battle? This victory came because of the loving kindness of the Lord is everlasting. That's the way to, they're to remember this. They're not to say, you know, this tactic worked, let's use that again. They're to remember the victory came because the loving kindness of the Lord did things on their behalf that they could not do on their own behalf. Well, let's continue on. Verse 4, Then they set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. So they're coming up on the east side of the Promised Land. And the people became impatient because of the journey. Now let's just stop there before we read what happened. Do you ever get impatient because of the journey? 
Let's not do what verse 5 says they did. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this miserable food. Now, I know that the psalmist and other places have people complaining to God, sometimes even about who He is. But there's a fine line. There's a fine line when God says, you've crossed the line and I'm going to judge you because you're no longer just talking to me. You've crossed the line of sin. And you've sinned in your attitude. And what, what was their primary sin here? They really did not believe that God was treating them in a way that came out of His loving kindness, which knows no limits. They were questioning the goodness of God. They were questioning the love of God. And this most often shows up in our complaining, doesn't it? So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. I mean, one of the big turning points for all of us is to call sin, sin, and say, help. In this case, they asked Moses to intercede. Why? Because they knew that God is a forgiving God. They knew that God is great in his loving kindness. And they knew that there was the possibility that they didn't have to continue to live in fear of wondering, when's my baby going to get bit? When's my wife going to get bit and die? Because this was all still going on. We have no idea how many days this played out over. They knew that they'd put themselves in this situation under the judgment of God. They knew it was sin. But they also were hoping in this character of God called his loving kindness. And so Moses, the Lord said to Moses, verse 8, make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked on the bronze serpent, he lived. And so God tells Moses to do something that really wouldn't make a lot of sense to anybody. Evidently, there was a lot of bronze or copper mines there to make this bronze serpent and tell them, when you get bit, look at that bronze serpent, and if you look at it, you will be healed. What did that require? Faith. It required believing God even though it may not have made a lot of human sense. That has always been the solution for our sin. And in fact, Jesus, in his conversation with Nicodemus, refers back to this. Before we get to the well-known John 3.16, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Those who have been bit by sin 
and are dying, what's their only hope? To look upon Him who knew no sin, but who became sin on our behalf so that the righteousness of God would be satisfied in Christ. Does that make any sense to the ordinary person? No. But to everyone who believes, what? They have eternal life. So what's always been the solution for sinfulness? To look upon the Lord Jesus Christ who took our place as as a sinner when he became sin. And when we look upon him, our sin is paid for, our sin is forgiven, and we get a new opportunity to walk in the goodness and the grace and, the, and, and everything that comes from God. Why did God do that? Because his loving kindness endures forever. He didn't need to do this. He could have let them all die in the wilderness. He could let us all die in our sins. Why does He do this? Because of His loving kindness, which endures forever. And so it's interesting, and it's important for us to look back on 2018, and where we have sinned, to recognize our only solution is to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone can forgive sin, who alone gives new mercies for the next day, who alone gives us an opportunity to begin blooming again, even though we've been sucking up poison and choosing poison. His loving kindness endures forever. I'd encourage you, if you haven't read recently through Hebrews 11, to read through Hebrews 11, because you'll see the same dynamic there as what's going on in Psalm 136 here. You read through Hebrews 11, and you say, oh, I see the great things that Abraham did by faith, but what about when he lied about who his wife was? Twice! Is it mentioned there? Say no. Why not? Say this. Because the loving kindness of the Lord endures forever. Now, aren't you grateful that's the way he remembers Abraham? Aren't you grateful that's the way he remembers you and me? The loving kindness of the Lord. And it's important as we look back on the past year where we have sinned and where we've gone down paths and we have brought destruction, while there's very appropriate grief from that, we don't wallow in that we recognize the loving kindness of the Lord which endures forever. And we bloom where we're planted today, freshly, in the loving kindness of the Lord. And where we have faced situations, and where we've been sinned against, and where we've experienced loss, we again need to see all of that in the light of God's goodness and His loving kindness, which endures forever. This is found throughout the Scriptures. Here's a couple places. Let's read this together. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, 
for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I end up in circumstances where I say, God, what's your will? And I have people come to me say, this is what's going on, what's your will? And it's so helpful to know, well, here's, here's his will. Now, I don't know how the details are going to sort out, but if, if we would get our hearts oriented and, and cultivated in the loving kindness of God, which is what this does, the details will sort their way out. And, and so, what is always the will of God, no matter what the circumstances, really good, really dark, rejoice always. How can you always rejoice? Because the loving kindness of the Lord is everlasting. His providence in our lives is always good. And we know that He works all things together for what? Good. To conform us more into the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you blow off grief. It means you can rejoice in the midst of grief. I think sometimes we wrestle with those paradoxical things that God has created us to do in this fallen world. To grieve deeply and rejoice fully. That's the Christian life. Pray without ceasing. Make sure that we stay in communion with God. Just keep talking to God. Keep praying. Keep living in dependency upon Him. Who knows? He may choose to deliver a superior force into your hands. Who knows? I mean, some of you have been, are in the midst of lawsuits, being sued for all kinds of things. Keep praying. Who knows what the Lord might do? And then what? Give thanks in all circumstances. How can you give thanks in all circumstances? How can you give thanks in all circumstances? It's a rhetorical question by now. How can you give thanks in all circumstances? Because the loving kindness of the Lord endures forever. Are your circumstances greater than the loving kindness of the Lord? Are they even close? No. 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 And this is so important for us to remember, and I, I didn't spend the time doing it before the service, but during the service I was just writing down the songs that we sang, and all these songs are intended, that we sang this morning, and probably every morning, are intended to help us see life and bloom where we're planted by reiterating these truths to us. He gives and takes away. And what did we say? Blessed be His name. Now, how can we sing that? Because, that's a rhetorical question, because His loving kindness endures forever. That's how we can sing that. 
As Paul would say in Romans 8, He who gave you the Lord Jesus Christ will freely give you all things. What can separate you from the love of God? Can any circumstances? Can Satan? Can you yourself separate you from the love of God? No. No. Behold our God. None compares to Him. Are you broken by the weight of your sin? Leave behind your regret and shame and come to the altar. The Father's arms are opened wide. Know the forgiveness of Christ. Now, I know I butchered the songs because I don't remember songs very well and I couldn't write as fast as you all were singing. But we have reiterated all of these things this morning. Why? So that we will bloom where we're planted. So that we will see all events, our own sinfulness, people's sin against us, and the things that just happen in life, the losses, will be seen in the light of God's loving kindness. Andrew Murray, who was a South African pastor in the 1800s, said this, In times of trouble, say, first, he brought me here. It is by his, own, his will I am in this straight place. That's kind of an old English word. Literally, it means narrow place, place of constriction, place that we feel stuck in. I am in this straight place. In that I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me the grace in this trial to behave as his child. Then he says, he will make the trial a blessing teaching me lessons he intends me to learn and working in me the grace he means to bestow. That's exactly what the Lord said to the Apostle Paul concerning his thorn in the flesh, isn't it? Last say, in his good time, he can bring me out again. How and when? He knows. And so he summarizes it by saying, I am here by God's appointment, in his keeping, under his training, until his time. So grateful for men like Andrew Murray who helped put feet to the Scriptures. You probably heard, I know I mentioned it a few weeks ago, of the Chinese pastor in Chengdu who the Chinese authorities came in and um, arrested him, a hundred people in his church, and that Chinese pastor has not been heard from since. But he had written up a, what did he call it? A declaration of his faithful disobedience. He called this his 95 Theses. And I'd encourage you to read that if you can. But in that is a paragraph. I'll include it in the under four this week. But he, he had this and he'd written this up and he says, if I'm not heard from for 48 hours, publish this. And in this is this one paragraph. If God decides to persecute the church by the Chinese Communist Regiment to help more Chinese despair and thus to know Jesus and to constantly cultivate and build his own church, I am very happy to obey God's arrangement because his arrangement is always loving and beautiful. That's from a man who understands what the Chinese government does to people. 
But how does he see it? He sees it under what? The loving kindness of God, which is greater and endures forever. So I want to ask you to take out your sermon notes, and on the back, on the back is the beginnings of Psalm 136, and then some places for you to fill in things the Spirit brings to mind from 2018. They could be huge successes, huge blessings, could be forays of sin that you've chosen to go down in your attitudes of complaining like the Israelites did, or actual participation in sinful things, or actually doing sinful things to other people. And, and you've repented of those, and you've, you've looked upon Christ, and you've returned, and you're you could do that, and you did that because His steadfast love endures forever. Could be just a huge loss you experienced. And in your grief, you recognize the steadfast love of God for you. Could be any number of things. But we're just going to ask the Spirit to bring to mind the things that are causing us to wilt rather than bloom. And we want to use this next few minutes just to bring those things under the, the, the light of the loving kindness of the Lord and let that light of the loving kindness of the Lord perk us up, so to speak, and cause us to move from those who are wilting to those who are blooming because we are, we are where we are today because of God. So let me just give you a few minutes, and kids, you feel free to fill this in. It could be that you've had some rough encounters at school this year. Could be you've had some really good encounters at school, or maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a sibling. Who knows? We've all got those people around us. But just take a few minutes, and go ahead and just fill in some of this.
Lord, thank you for the way that your word helps us to put things into perspective. Thank you for a chance to let you be God and be bigger than anything that we've experienced. Thank you for a chance where we have sinned to experience freshly your forgiveness and a fresh opportunity to bloom and to make a difference. Thank you for a chance to take the rejections that we've experienced, uh, the hurts that we've experienced, the things that um, we've complained about, and see them in light of your loving kindness and your goodness so that we don't have to wilt, but we can bloom. And Lord, thank you that even losses that are so great, thank you that we can see them in the light of your loving kindness, which endures forever. Spirit of the living God, help us to see all of our experiences in the light of your loving kindness, which endures forever. For you alone are God, and you alone are perfectly good to us. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.